and welcome to the Pursuit of Healthiness podcast. I'm your host, Winanda van Delft. I'm a health and mindset coach, spaghetti and ice cream lover, travel junk, and a cat mom. I love conversations that are on a more raw and deeper level. And today I have with me Christine McKay. She's a global business negotiation strategist, author of the Sign Hair Negotiation Strategies for the Real World, has 26 years of experience negotiating with dozens of the Fortune 500, and she's passionate about finding common ground, leveling the playing field, and resolving complex issues on behalf of her clients. Christine empowers you to ask for what you want and provides the skills and tools needed to negotiate for it. So, hello, Christine. Welcome to my podcast today. I'm really excited. Thank you. I'm very <laughs> excited to be here. Um, so, first, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, where you come from. So, my name is Christine McKay. I am a global negotiation strategist and the CEO and founder of Ben Negotiation. Um, for business, we work with small business owners and entrepreneurs, and we help them ask for more of what they want and then provide them the tools and techniques to negotiate for it. We have a philosophy that negotiation is nothing more than a conversation about a relationship and there is no win in relationship. So we are all about trying to help businesses find creative and different ways to create more value for themselves, their customers, their suppliers, and their investors. Uh, I've been doing negotiation for Oh God, almost 30 years now. And oh. I started out doing international mergers and acquisitions in Eastern and Western Europe and Southeast Asia, and did a lot of work with Fortune 500 companies and their procurement and purchasing departments, but also worked in sales. But I grew up in this little tiny town in North Central Montana in the United States. Okay. And I had about 550 people in my hometown. So it was, when I say it was small, (laughs) it was very small. And my parents uh, owned a small business. And when I was working with all these big companies, I saw how big companies took advantage of smaller businesses and how small businesses sacrificed profitability and strategy and all these things to meet the needs of a big company. So I launched Ben Negotiation because I'm really passionate about helping smaller businesses level the playing field in their negotiation. Um, I have an unusual, my negotiation philosophy is kind of informed by the fact that when I was 19, after having had a very successful high school career, I found out I was pregnant. I wasn't married. I just lost my job. I got evicted from the trailer that I lived in and started living out of the back of my my car at the time. And so I was homeless for a period of time and married a not so nice guy who I thought was nice, but wasn't allowed to work, wasn't allowed to give us an education and had two more babies and had three babies by the time I was 22. And we were buying groceries, you know, at the food bank, we were boiling water on the stove for baths. I would go, there were times when I'd pick up cans in order to put gas in my car. And the day that one of my daughters wanted something to eat and I couldn't feed her, 
was the day that I decided I needed to negotiate a different life. And so I took a risk and I went to school and got a scholarship and that started me on this awesome career of working with all these Fortune 500. And, and I've negotiated with almost half of the Fortune 500 in 53 countries and ultimately earned my master's in business administration from Harvard University. Wow. And so I, it's, been, it's been a crazy, amazing life. Yeah. I wouldn't change any of it. And it, you know, it, all of that, all of that trial and tribulation um, really makes me even more passionate about helping people who don't think they have a voice at the negotiation table. And small businesses often feel that they cannot negotiate when they're negotiating with bigger, more powerful organizations. And I really want to help to change that for them. Wow, that's beautiful. You've come from far. But yes. Yeah. Like, but how did you manage as, as a young mom uh, with the kids? And you said like you, you didn't even, you couldn't even feed your kids. Mm -hmm. um, but how, how does it feel? Like I cannot imagine as a parent to feel like oh. that. Oh, that sucked. <laughs> Um, that was not a good, a good feeling at all. Um, yeah. and you know, when I, I decided that at, at one point I decided that it was going to be easier to be a single mom and do what I was trying to do, um, than being married to my husband at the time. And so I, you know, and really it was, it was a family affair. So one of the things that I love, one of the traditions at Harvard business school that I love is that if you have kids, they get to walk the stage, cross the stage in front of you, and they get little hats or Aww. little teddy bears that have a little t-shirt on it that says Harvard. And so my daughters, who had sacrificed a lot um, as young children so that I could you know, pursue these objectives and these dreams to create a better life for them, but they, they definitely made sacrifices. And I thank them every day for what they did to help make all of our lives better. And, yeah. um, but you know, it was, it was, a, it was a team, it was a team effort. Uh, absolutely. Mm. And, and, you know, and it was also interesting. I, I mean, I started out, I learned how to ask for help. And I think that a lot of, a lot of people and certainly entrepreneurs have this false belief that they need to do everything themselves. Yeah. And so being in that position and not knowing how to feed my kids when I, when I left my husband um, at the time and uh, was doing the single mom thing, I remember at the end of my first semester, toward the end of my first semester, I was going crazy. I needed a break and I was sitting next to this young guy in one of my classes and I said to him, I said, do you ever get a home cooked meal? And he said, no. And I said, well, I can't afford to pay you, but if you would babysit my, my kids for me, I'll cook you dinner. And so that launched a, friendship that lasted throughout school and he babysat my kids during the summers 
and oh. he was really he became a very important part of our family life he was jewish we were not so we learned about you know the hanukkah and the jewish holidays and we celebrated the jewish holidays like his family when he was not when he was not home with his actual family he taught my daughters and me how you know what those holidays meant and 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 you know i i don't know when this is going to be released but happy hanukkah everybody and so you know it's just that was just really cool. And so it was really about learning how to ask for help and mm. learning that I didn't have to do it all by myself. Yeah. Wow. But if I can assume something like you are smart, like you are a smart, badass woman. So how I can imagine that maybe the listeners uh, could question like, how can you be in that situation and be that smart? How like, How did How I end up there to begin with? Yeah. So, you know, em emotion and the things that we feel about ourselves are complicated, right? So, yeah, absolutely. you know, I, I had had a very successful high school career. Um, I was very, I was not popular, but I was, I was even voted most likely to succeed in my class. Um, I had... You know, I was a beauty queen. I competed in public speaking. I, I lived in Germany as an exchange student. I mean, I did all these amazing things. But I'd also had other things happen in my early childhood and in my teens that were, that were really, really bad that I never really processed. And so, you know, those things I carried with me and I was young. I mean, I was, I mean, 19 is very young. Right. Yeah. And at least it is, it, 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 I, I think 19 is very young for some cultures. 19 is not young, but I think it's a very young age. In fact, our brains are not fully developed at that age. Um, so I, you know, I, I thought I was, I thought I was good. You know, I, I didn't, I was taking all the precautions that I needed to take. And then when I found out I was pregnant, that was my mother's worst nightmare for me. Like for her, that was like the utmost, there was no greater failure that could ever happen to her as a mother of a daughter than to have her daughter get pregnant and not be married. So I, yeah. I, I became my mother's worst nightmare. And, um, And that, I mean, that does, that plays with your head, right? And I'd had all this success and had done all this great stuff as a high school student, but then I stupidly got pregnant. So therefore all that success that I had when I was in high school was, was false. It wasn't real because if it was real, then I wouldn't be stupid and get pregnant and not be married. That was how I felt about myself. So I destroyed every trophy I won. I destroyed my, my beauty queen crown. Oh. I, I just I took a hammer to it, smashed it to smithereens. So I believed, I convinced myself in part because of my family's reaction, but in part because of what I had, what I believed about myself at the time, I believed I wasn't worthy. And I wasn't capable. So I believed that somebody else needed to make decisions for me because I wasn't qualified to make good decisions for myself. So I abdicated decision-making responsibility to who would, the man who would become my husband and who was, by, by the way, not the father of my, my daughter. And so 
um, I just, I had met him and he needed to rescue somebody and I felt I needed to be rescued. But he was not qualified to make decisions for himself, let alone make decisions for me and then what would become a family of, of five, right? So yeah. we had, I had three, three kids within 32 months. There's 32 months between my oldest child and my youngest child. And he couldn't support us. So it was, you know, at some point, so I let him do what I thought, you know, he was going to do or, and gave him, you know, and all that. But at, then we hit a point and, I, or I hit a point when I said, he's not able to deliver on his promise. And I wanted my life back. I wanted control of my life back. So I mm -hmm. took it. And so it, I think it's easy to end up in, I think it's easy for us to find ourselves in dire situations when we don't have self-confidence to evaluate whether or not we are being effective in how we live our lives. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm a little bit quiet about that. <laughs> um but you are doing you're doing well right now uh, uh, this, yeah i have to say if i you know i mean you're negotiating <laughs> but i am <laughs> and and you're speaking and you know we are talking right now and yeah I, it seems that you you overcame that maybe you needed to overcome that to be who you are today i think we all have we all have trials that we experience in life. Now, some sound bigger, greater, grander, more awful than others. But at the end of the day, we all go through something. Yeah, Nobody's true. life is without pain. And I believe that you can't enjoy the awesome gift that life is if you don't understand that it comes with a certain amount of hurt yeah. and anxiety and struggle because the triumph is so much sweeter. It's so much better when you've True. known struggle um, than it is if it's just handed to you. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that, that is one of many, many struggles I have been through. I've lived through and each one of them, from each one of them has come amazing things that I've been able to learn that have helped other people in similar situations that I can use, you know, to teach or mentor um, or guide. And, and, you know, life is all about the stories we create and the stories that we have, right? That's all at the end of the day, all we have are our stories, the stories yeah. we have in our head. Right. And by the way, our memories generally are terrible. And so <laughs> most of the things we remember are actually inaccurate to begin with, but they're still our stories. And we create our identity based on these stories. And so all the stories, good, bad, or otherwise that have happened to me are just part of a bigger story that just makes Christine McKay, Christine McKay. Yeah. Yeah, true. So. Maybe a, a funny, well, funny question. I, I just because you are uh, like a pro in negotiation in, in business, 
do you do you um do you see yourself negotiating in just real life in just having normal conversations do you find yourself doing that as well to get what you want so i started out by saying so i fundamentally believe that negotiation is just a conversation about a relationship that is that is it to me every single person on the planet is negotiating all the time because we're constantly negotiating our relationships whether it's with a partner whether it's with a parent a child an employer a business partner a customer a supplier the world is made of humanity is made up of nothing more than relationships after relationships it's just relationships so i i i do negotiate all the time but you negotiate all the time mm. i just know when i'm negotiating you might not be aware of when you're negotiating so there are times when the negotiation is did my husband do something that upset me or frustrated me yes then the nego then the negotiation is first in my own head which by the way is the hardest part of every negotiation is the part that's in our heads um and it's like okay is there value what value can be gained for me raising this as an issue does it bother me enough what's the what's my desired outcome okay there's really nothing that i'm going to gain from this and it's probably going to create more issues so i don't it's not important enough to bring up so i'm just going to let that go now maybe in a different day that's something that's important more important for me to bring up right so i mean i think we're all as human beings constantly in a state of negotiation we're constantly trying to influence ourselves we're trying to influence others and convince people of our ideas and that's part of what makes us human and in my mind and so how we do that um matters yeah yeah that's true yeah i think negotiation should be like that like you're explaining like you're just having conversations and not just throwing your desires at someone you have to listen to what the other uh person or the opposite uh, party wants and then just come to like you said a relationship like an agreement or what you both want um from that certain situation absolutely i mean i i talked about my husband so i was very fortunate after my first disastrous marriage um to meet the man of my dreams and you know we've been together for almost 30 years and married for 27 and i often thank you and i love him more today than i did yesterday and i will love him more tomorrow than i do today yeah but the man that i married 27 years ago and the contract the, the contract that we entered into 27 years ago is not the same contract that we have today because we are not the same people we yeah. have grown we have changed yet in business we enter into these relationships and we often expect them to stay the same we don't give them the opportunity to grow and change and we don't often recognize what's different about our relationships and business and so we get stuck in this this like actually i was yesterday i was on an event at an event and and somebody was like business is war and i'm like if you're over 50 
you probably do believe that. If you're under 50, you probably don't believe. If you're over 50 and from the US, you probably believe that. If you're under 50 and in the US, you probably don't believe that. And a lot of the rest of the world doesn't want to believe that, even though much of the world has started to adapt to an American style of doing business, which I find very unfortunate um, as a general rule. Mm. But it, it's really, it really is about relationships. And, you know, you enter into a business relationship because you think that us, that by our working together, you are going to achieve more success and I'm going to achieve more success. Yeah. Right? It's about a hopeful, it's a hope for future. It's, mm -hmm. and, and if that future, because it's hope based on the few, you know, uh, assumptions about the future, our assumptions about the future can be wrong. So we have to change them. So we have to constantly be in this reevaluation and renegotiation state to say, how do I make sure that my relationship, my business relationships continue to grow and thrive? And mm -hmm. I need to keep that dialogue open. Yeah. I love business like that. <laughs> I don't yeah. see business as war. <laughs> I, I, I don't either. No, I, don't. I, I think you, you are doing an amazing job by, by negotiating like this and showing businesses that it can be different. And it's, you know, I think that both uh, parties gain so much more from that. You just are open with each other and just, you know, put everything on the table and really help each other out to grow mm -hmm. together. Um, because we, we cannot do everything on our own. Like you said in the beginning, like yeah. we need to ask for help. And if you can help each other, you know, grow or earn more money or have more customers or something like that, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think so. I mean, and I mean, keep in mind, I mean, businesses have fiduciary responsibility. I mean, I am in business to make money. I, yeah. I yeah, of course. Like, but there, there is, you know, somebody was talking about compassionate capitalism. I mean, you can, you can make money and do it in a way that adds value to more people. And so what has happened with a lot of negotiation is I call it um, the difference between negotiating from a position of abundance versus scarcity. So I'll ask people, if you have a raw egg, right, and you have three people who want that raw egg, what do you do to that egg to get to give it to three people, right? <laughs> so people boil it and cut it up. They crack it open and they scramble it and then divide it in thirds, right? That, those are the two things that most people, like, that jumps to their minds, right? So in other words... What's that? I would say get a good one instead of a raw. <laughs> oh, it's not a rotten egg. No, no, no. It's a good egg. It's oh, just good a, egg. It's, a, it's a good egg. One, oh. it's just raw. It's just raw. Oh. It's not cooked yet. So how do you divide that? How do three people want that egg? How do three people get the egg? Oh. Right? So people either boil it and cut it in thirds or they'll scramble it and divide it in thirds. Yeah. But if you take a pin and you poke a hole in the egg, you can drain the white and the yolk, and you have an empty eggshell that you can give to an artist to paint. You can separate the yolk from the white, 
and the person who wants the yolk can glaze the top of a loaf of bread and the person who wants the white can make a souffle. So now three people get three parts of one egg. But most people, when they negotiate, they think they see the egg and they see that one egg and they go, I've got to divide one egg by three. And so they boil it or they scramble it. Yeah. Instead of saying, what part of the egg do you want? What are you looking for in the egg? And that's the difference. Yeah. That is the difference between how I think about negotiation and how most people think about negotiation. Yeah. I'm always looking for what are, how do I get that egg? I'm looking, I'm looking for the external pin to poke a hole in that egg to make three separate and things of equal value for all people instead of just taking something and dividing what I see up into some amount and nobody yeah. really getting what they want. I love that. Beautiful. So what is, what is from negotiation or just in, in life general, because you've been through a lot. So probably this is hard to answer, but what is the biggest lesson that you've learned? I think the biggest lesson is to always surround myself with people who believe in me at the moment when I do not believe as much in myself as I need to. And that, I mean, that is, it, it's so critical to have cheerleaders, to have fans, to have supporters who when on those days when you go, oh my God, this, I, I, I can't, I just feel like I can't do this, right? And that might be, you might have that feeling for an hour. You might have that feeling for a day, a month, a year, a few years, right? It, it, you never know what's going on in somebody's life. So surrounding yourself with people who truly are excited about your success and are invested, who, who will literally, when you send them an email and saying, I'm having a really rough moment and I just need to talk. And they're like, all right, give me a call, right? And they're, they're sitting there going, you've got this, you can do this. This is how you've done it before. Because a lot of times we get stuck in a moment, it's like, it's like looking at the egg. It's like, oh, it's one egg instead of three different things is one egg. And we get stuck in a moment and we don't see all the things that we've actually done that are actually the thing that we're stuck on right now. And it's like, wait, I've done five things that are almost exactly like this thing. And so having that, those people in your world that remind you of what you've, what the, the awesome and amazing things that you have done, that you've overcome, that you've accomplished is amazing. Yeah. But what, what about the people that don't have that support group around them? I mean, I know a lot of people uh, whose family don't support them, the partner doesn't support them. So that can be really, really tough. Oh, so, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've lived that. Yeah, um, you know, I absolutely have lived that. And there, you know, my biggest thing is that there's always a place to find people to support you, especially now, right? Like yeah, I am part internet. of, I am part of so many 
mastermind groups and networking groups and and within those you know you find the people you connect with different people yeah. share your story be vulnerable build relationships and those people will come to you yeah. and you will find them and you know it's and 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 so you you you're not going to find you're not going to find support if you stay in your house and don't try to engage. And I'm an introvert, so I, you know, engaging with people is exhausting for me. I have to take I have to take a whole day to recover, you know, if I have like this week I've had a lot of speaking engagements, I have to take an entire day off and like not talk to anybody, not talk to my family. I just need to totally shut down. So knowing that, right? I you know, but so you may, so, but you can't network with people. You can't bring people into your life to help you if you stay in your house, yeah. not reaching out. There are tons of groups on Facebook. There are tons of, um, I know here in the United States, we have meetup. I don't, I think, I think it's elsewhere, but there are def, there are definitely online networking groups and, and pick a couple. Pick a couple whose values match to yours, who are doing things that are interesting to you, um, and then keep going. You can't just show up once or twice and expect, you know, something to change. Yeah. It takes about a year of knowing somebody before it you will start to see, you know, mutual mutual benefit in the relationship. You have to nurture those relationships. Yeah. People don't just trust you out of the starting gate. So no, that's true. <laughs> Yeah. Unless you have a vibe, like with some people, you just have that click, but it doesn't happen with everybody. So it's, it's a working process. Yes. I loved how you snapped your fingers like that. I cannot do that. I'm so jealous. Right really? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. Oh, really? No, I didn't I, know this. No, no. <laughs> See, now you learned that not everyone can snap their fingers. No, it's like, I get this really, it's really, it's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> have you tried yeah obviously you've tried oh yeah no see it's just i it can't i don't it doesn't make the sound like you get this nice crisp awesome awesome yeah. attention grabbing sound yeah it's mine's more like a thud <laughs> uh well i don't know i never thought about it but i i think it's the same with, with your tongue like not everybody can uh, i can't do that either oh i can that too. <laughs> maybe <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I can't even stick my tongue out properly. So. Really? <laughs> no, it's just yeah. No, it's not. We're not going to demonstrate that here. No. Well, no. Yeah, I can. No. <laughs> I want to say I can do a lot, but yeah, no. I, it's 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 funny that some things you, my body can do, and then someone else's body can't. But so that's, and that's the thing about, that's one of the things that makes makes negotiation actually really kind of because and you're going to think this is weird to bring this back to negotiation but in our bodies we do certain things you snap your fingers in just the right way somebody can whistle and call a dog somebody yeah. you know somebody somebody can you know stick their tongue out and have a you know cup and do whatever you know yeah. we think that these things that we do we think that everyone can do them and so we go into situations and we're like like i have a black belt in martial arts and i was an instructor for a while and it wasn't until I was a an instructor that I realized that not every human being on the planet can do a somersault. 
Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do a summer? How can you not do a somersault? But we get so focused on our own perspective of life and our own perspective of the issues at hand and the things that we're trying to negotiate that, that we don't do enough to create space to acknowledge that others don't see the world the same way that we do. Yeah, that's true. And that's yeah. true in negotiation because negotiation is about finding common ground. It's about finding where you do see the world in the same way. Yeah. So uh, last question, if people want to work with you or want to find you or want to hire you as a speaker, um, how can they find you? So the easiest thing to do is to go to Venn Negotiation. So right there, yeah. uh, V-E-N-N -N Negotiation. And it does look weird. It's three N's in a row. Um, so it looks weird. But go to vennegotiation.com and you'll be able to interact with us and find out information about our upcoming podcast, which will be released probably next month um, in January, as well as uh, two upcoming books. One will be released in January as well. So, uh, so yeah, that's the easiest way to, to find me. Awesome. So oh, this is my last question. Where, where does the name come from? Ben. Ah, Ven. So yeah. Ven is mathematical. It's for the Venn diagram. So you, if you can see the circles in my logo, the Venn diagram. So Venn was the name of the man who came up with this mathematical concept. And Venn diagrams are just the circles and it's all about finding a common set of, yeah. you've got different things in different circles, but there's commonality. And so negotiation for me is about knowing what you want, knowing how to ask, and then engaging and making sure you get what you were told you were going to be given. So it's three circle, it's a three circle Venn diagram. Okay, cool, awesome. Go. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing. <laughs> and thank you so much for this conversation. I loved it. Thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. you so much. I loved it too. I really appreciated <laughs> it. You are amazing.